Yo, what up? What up, what up, what up? This is Yula Vine. Yule Wei, Orion de Peligrosa. T-Double. The mighty DJ Mel. This is Ginger Lee. Zilli. Protégé. Yo, 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 everybody, it's Toddy B. This is your favorite giant China man, CK. DJ K. Cali, you rocking with the feedback. The feedback. The feedback. The feedback. The feedback. You are listening to the Feedback Podcast. With my homie back. All right, welcome to the Feedback Podcast. My name is Back. We are back from a little break, and it is the return of you missed them all, you love them all. Miko is here, everybody. Woo! <laughs> I'm back. Yeah. After many festivals and weddings and travelings and, and what have you. Good to be here for the final episode of the season. No, the first back. Oh, the first back? Yeah. The first, we just took what? You just took a... Took a week. One a week weeks. break. Yeah. 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 It's all right, but I, but I had to have uh, our guests here. So <laughs> you didn't want to miss this one. <laughs> I know you didn't want to miss this one. And as always, Byron is here as well. Yes, sir. What up, what up? Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. And so uh, this is a special show because, uh, one, I, I'm going to have the phones back on. So if you have any questions for our guests here who is for sitting in front of me, really appreciate it. And so let me – I'm just going to jump right into it. Graham, thank you so much for being here, man. Yeah, sure. Really appreciate it. If you guys don't know Graham, Graham is the founder of – Transmission, Martin Walker, so he's responsible for Fun 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 Fest, and now Sound on Sound Fest. We're going to get into all of that in the show today, but let's just jump right into it, seriously, because there's so much to cover. You're right. like the, uh, if you live in Austin, somehow, you've, and you're into music, your hand was in it somehow. <laughs> like, you're, like, whether it was a show or it was a festival, like, you've been around for yeah, I mean, born and raised here, right? Yeah, born and raised here. So, what was what's your uh, what's your connection to music growing up? Well, being from Austin, there were a lot of options. So, when I was a kid, there were just, you know, if you were allowed to go to a show, if your parents were going to let you, or if they didn't know you were going, mm-hmm. there were a lot of places to see music. So, I mean, my first shows. Elementary school, a few times wow. I had older. Elementary school? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first, first big show was, I was eight. It was a Motley Crue. Oh. Girls, girls, girls tour. Those shows I would go with like an older sister, or an older cousin, or someone who I convinced to take me to see. Well, you were a fan already or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when I was in, I guess I must have been in third grade, second or third grade. I got like my, a garage sale. My mom got like a cassette player and... I wanted music for it. My dad made me uh, some tapes, some of his records. He made t- little cassette tapes for me. He made uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall, Good. and The Beatles' Greatest Hits. Mm-hmm. And those were my first tapes. And then I wanted tapes for Christmas, so my sister got me Run DMC, Raising Hell, mm-hmm. and the Stand By Me soundtrack. This movie, uh-huh. I like, it's all like 50s <laughs> doo-wop music, but I like the movie. Uh, and from then, like every, you know, I'd wash cars and save my allowance and just every couple of weeks get to go to Sound Warehouse, which was, is long gone, and buy tapes. And at the time, what I liked was some rap and a lot of like cock rock, which was like cheesy metal. So like <laughs> Cinderella, Motley Crue, Poison, yeah. and also good metal like Metallica and Iron Maiden, um, anything like that, like Headbangers Ball, which was, was the big MTV metal night yep. on Saturday nights. Do you still have a lot of those tapes? Uh, I don't have many tapes. Uh, uh, for those who don't know, tapes are this thing. <laughs> <laughs> old, 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 old. For you young folks out there. These are scotch tape? What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> God, they'll be saying that about CDs soon. I know. I think um, they already are. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> sure. I'm absolutely sure of it. I was at a garage sale the other day. I was went for a walk with my daughter, and there was like some little toys. Like, oh, let's go look. And they had 
both a Discman and a cassette player Walkman mm. for sale. And I was like, I almost want to buy that just to like have on a shelf like art. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> Tell people about it. Like yeah. that's a, uh, you know, the tribe of whatever. Yes. Made this pottery. <laughs> and over here, this is a Walkman. It was uh, <laughs> yeah, from, from the used by reverse. Yes. So, yeah, the, the Sony tribe. But yeah, anyway, uh, so when I was a kid, I would was into that. And then through kind of heavy music like that, I started finding out about punk and and other kinds of like crazy music and sort of my gateway into that was like uh jane's addiction and fishbone and chili peppers and this band called dead meltman who's playing our festival this year mm-hmm. um a lot of those bands were kind of underground bands and college bands that would come through and play like liberty lunch was the kind of like the i don't even know what maybe like mohawk size it was a little bigger than that about 1200 cap but mm-hmm. it was the bigger venue where everyone would come through and play uh, and so I got to see a lot of bands because of that. That's kind of the age where maybe once a year I'd go see a big concert at the Irwin Center when I was in elementary school. But like by junior high is when I was sort of venturing out on my own. I, I was finding out about like really discovering music, not just finding out about stuff through TV, but like learning about music through friends, going to see meeting bands before they went on stage, talking to them at the merch booth, like mm-hmm. understanding that music wasn't just this thing on the TV screen or on this giant in the stadium you were at, but but was tangible and, and something you could be a part of. And uh, I think that kind of piqued my interest because I had always I loved music so much as you know as a kid, and as I started to get a little older, junior high and high school, all of a sudden you could be a part of music. Music wasn't just something you were a fan of but you could put on shows you could put out records you could go on tour you could play in a band you could go watch a band and hang out with them afterwards if you wanted like uh, i don't know it, you kind of broke that barrier between audience and fan uh and band uh in that world of like progressive music and that was real exciting i think for me because you know i had only seen it from the lens of fame f- yeah oh, okay so the, the bands we were seeing at the time they were all big acts or was it just there was also a lot of local bands right, that already coming above. up here yeah, in Austin. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, like, by junior high, I'd, I'd go see Fugazi and Dead Meltman and, you know, bigger bands that would tour through. But then I would also go see all the, like, the cool local bands at, like, the Weird Punk Club and Emos had just opened. There was a place mm. called The Cavity. There was a place called The Cannibal Club. And there were just all these, like, small clubs downtown, like Red River and Six area. And they'd host all the popular local bands in town would play and... Did you did you become friends with those bands at the time? Uh, a few of them, you know, it was cool. Like you know, you'd be sitting there, and some band would come up and be like, "Hey!" Like they were just happy to see more people going to shows. Like right, right, right. Shows right. Were, it was it was a small scene. Austin was like, it's not like it is now. I mean, it, it was a trek to get from wherever to Austin. So it's not like there's a big scene in Biloxi, Mississippi, or right. <laughs> there's not a big scene in you know Norman, Oklahoma. There there still aren't big scenes in those places. But before the internet and before everything there to make enough gas money to make it through the south wasn't easy so a lot of people would do east and west coast tours if you were an underground mm-hmm. band mm-hmm. and just skip the south because why lose money why not just do one or the other mm-hmm. and if you were going to do it you knew there were only a few cities that enough people would show up to your show to actually make it worth even going to that city and then you had to get through three or four other cities or just do night drives to try and make it to that city so there was a lot that we missed. Like, even though Austin was, you know, a, a cool city that had a lot going on, it was still a pretty small scene. I mean, it's doubled in population in the last decade. Right. You know, I mean, that's unheard of. You know, no no other city in America has doubled their population in the last 10 years. Well, who was, who was putting those bands on at the time? 
Liberty Lunch was a, like the big venue. It was, like I said, probably about a 1,200 cap. Um, was it like a, uh, uh, um, like an event production company or there specifically? There weren't many of those. No, no, there were a few little that would pop, come, come and go. Yeah. You know, in the, in the 80s and 90s, you'd see old flyers where people would say blah, blah, blah events or blah, blah, blah productions. None of them really sus- sustainable. It was more like someone would do something for a little while and get bored of it or do something mm-hmm. else. But it was usually the venues themselves in-house. So like Liberty Lunch was booked by the owner. Nemo's was booked in house. All the venues kind of handled it. They just had someone who worked there who knew about music and, and would would answer the phones. And then that's how it was back then. Like I started booking shows, and I guess I must have been like high s- freshman year, maybe, maybe maybe sophomore year of high school. Yeah, I, got, wow. I started a band. Yeah. I was in a crappy band in junior high. I was in a crappy <laughs> band. Actually, my band in high school was crappy too. But. Um, was, it, was the name of the band Crappy or? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Crappy Two. Uh, it was called Direction. We were uh, a straight edge hardcore. Did you have band. any direction? Was it like two directions, three directions, or one no, direction? No, we, we, we sued One Direction actually, <laughs> millions of dollars for adding a one in front of our name. Um, no, we were just like a hardcore band, and uh, uh, we were not good, but we were popular because we were the only band like that around. And we had a lot of friends because we were in high school. So all of our friends would show up to our shows. So the right. shows were always crowded. We played all the time whenever we could with that we could find an all ages club that would let us play there. But through that, because there weren't a lot of all ages venues and we were a young band, our, our fans were young, we ended up putting on a lot of shows. And back then there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a, much of a network for booking tours if you didn't have a booking agent, which a lot of bands d- didn't and still don't. Mm-hmm. So if you went on tour, there was a magazine that, uh, there was a very popular punk magazine called Maximum Rock and Roll. It, it may still, I'm sure it still comes out actually. Um, and they had an, an annual offshoot that they did called Book Your Own Fucking Life. And it was a booking magazine that had every phone number in every city of a promoter or a club or a place to stay if you let people stay at your house uh-huh. even like certain cities would have like a mechanic who will hook you up and fix your car for cheap if you're in a band and to help you out or like places you could eat that were like you know it was like this sort of like underground railroad of like <laughs> music like where people knew and put their phone number in it and and so my, you know, my number was in there as one yeah. of the guys in Austin. You would call to if you needed to stay at their house and if you wanted a show. And I would just try and find someone a coffee shop or a house. There were a lot of house shows back then, or a club that would take someone. A lot of clubs were b- more bar centric, so they didn't want a band on tour who no one had heard of playing their club mm-hmm. because no one would show up, and then you know it wouldn't make much at the bar. So anyway, long story short. That was sort of how you did shows. So you did a lot of DIY shows, and you, you got, if I booked a tour, I would call every number, a number in Phoenix, a number in Las Cruces, a number in L.A., and I, you would just call each of these numbers and tell someone called you back. Is but that still around? Uh, I highly doubt it. Uh, <laughs> it is. The website's yeah, still yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds incredibly yeah, yeah. useful even today. It may <laughs> exist, although it's probably very different now. I know it's all... You know, everything's connected. It's called the internet now. Uh, yeah, what yeah. was? Do you know the name of the magazine or whatever it was? No, book your own fucking life. Oh, book your own fucking life. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. it's yeah. still up. It's yeah, still yeah. up. Yeah. The, the, you can add your listing on yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the simplest website. You can tell yeah. it was built the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Built, built in the nineties. Yeah. There's yeah, no yeah. banners. None of that. It just says book your own fucking yeah, life. Yeah. It's just. I mean, it was just a way to connect. And then, even the way you find out about shows in Austin, it started in Houston, then it moved to Austin. They still kept doing it in both cities was a thing called the Texas Show List. And they still have it online now. 
but it was just a, a single printed piece of paper with tiny print uh, in order of dates, every show in town at every place. Uh-huh. And so you, they'd have a stack of them once a week printed and put up at this one record store sound exchange and a couple other spots. And you just went and be sure and go grab one of those because that stuff's not going to end up in the Chronicle because it's the crazy house show, the obscure, the hard to find stuff. You, it's written in there, and you, and if you, if it wasn't there, you could call and leave a message for the guy who made it, mm-hmm. like, hey, just so you know, we have a show. Can you add it to show list? And that's how you found out about shows. Like you had to want to go to shows uh, really <laughs> badly. <laughs> but did, did, did someone actually? Did you model? Uh, did you learn from somebody? Did, did someone say, hey, this is how I um, operate? So yeah. go check out this website, and here's the number to call, or uh, yeah, talk to this not, booker, this not, venue. Not in that way. Just in that you know, little by little, but no one ever sat me down and said, here's how it works. I, I wish there was cliff notes for it. It would have been a lot easier. Mm-hmm. I think you just, you, you, he, what is this magazine? Oh yeah, that's what this is. And you'd say, okay, I'm going to, I guess I'll do it that way. Right. Uh, you just did it. I mean, you didn't, it, if you wanted it, if you wanted your band to get a show or your friend's band who was coming from out of town that you really love, you wanted them to come and you convince that band to come to your city, you better find them somewhere to play and you better get a bunch of people out and you better go right. to Kinko's and, Hopefully you have a friend who works the night shift who you can scam and get a bunch of <laughs> flyers made so you don't have to spend money on it uh, and hang them up all over town and ride your bike to every show and hand flyers out front and tell people there was no internet. I mean, so you couldn't promote online. Right. You had to l- physically get the flyers in people's hands to get someone to come to a show. It was a lot more work. It, but I mean, you wanted it. So yeah, but, but <laughs> like the shows were, you know, people really who showed up really cared. And, and I feel like, you know, that, that, you know, made for a lot of great music and great kind of a, a strong scene to be built. I think that's sort of the basis for a lot of what's happened in Austin since. And I think it was like that in a lot of cities. I don't think that was really unique to Austin. It was just what we were dealing with. Mm-hmm. But when I started doing it for a living, because I did that all through high school, and that was mainly passion project. I mean, I never made money. Do I never thought you could make money doing shows. I, mm-hmm. I was... That sounds crazy to me at the time. So how would uh, how would you fund your? Well, I mean, you just charge four bucks at the door, and once you pay the recreation center, the VFW hall, or the sound guy at the club that let you play there, all the rest of it just went to the bands. Right. And uh, as long as you could pay yourself back for the flyers, right. then as long as I didn't lose money, I didn't care. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you could stay at your house or whatever, and you know, you'd tell people what gas stations were easy to steal gas from and they could uh, <laughs> and then fill up their tank and take off. And that was how you... So did Emos come to you uh, to come work there? Sort of. I was booking a lot of shows, but not... I wasn't impressing Emos with my booking skills. Uh, I just did shows because, like I said, I did it because it wasn't fun. I just did it to do it. You know, I, I liked playing shows. I liked seeing bands. A lot of people put on shows just to get people into town. Um, I went to Emos a lot and... At I must have been like 18 because I just graduated high school and a friend of ours started working security there and he was totally sober and everyone at Emo's in the 90s were like super fucked up, like crazy drug problems, a lot of issues. Uh, so Emo, who long sold the club a million years ago, a couple was like, man, this guy's great. He, he's never fucked up. He never steals from us to go buy drugs. So <laughs> we got to get more of this guy's friends working here. So a little, like a couple months later, uh, Cody, who now manages the Mohawk, oddly, uh, that's our friend who worked, who started working security. It was like, hey, you guys want to work at Emo's? They need extra, you know, door people in security. So 
me and a guy named Mike and a guy named Hushing all end up working there. And they all still have worked in and out of clubs, like at Mohawk and other places since then. But um, anyway, so I probably worked security and did stage managing a little bit there for like a year. I left. And then the guy who was booking, good dude, also crazy drug problem, um, had stolen a lot of money from the safe to buy crack. So he, you know, they were like, <laughs> "Man, we're really sorry. We gotta let you go." Uh, and coincidentally, like, I got a friend of mine who still worked there had ran into my wife, who was nearby, and was like, "Oh shit, Graham does shows. You should ask, see if he wants to come, come back to work, but not do his security, but actually booking." And even I didn't really want to work there anymore, but I was like, I would totally book shows there. I just didn't want to fucking clean up piss at the end of the night anymore. Right, like, right, right. So uh, I came back, and it was a total crash course because I had been booking DIY shows, house shows, just shows here and there. This was like a calendar you were in charge of. You had to make lots of money for the club. The club had to sell alcohol to stay open, and it was like this girl, Margaret, came back temporarily just to kind of help show me what to do. She used to book before the guy who got let go. And so she basically like said, here's, here's a, and this is how it was back then, Here's a calendar, like a heart, a paper calendar, the kind you have hanging on your refrigerator with a cat hanging from it. <laughs> hang in there. Yeah. It was a paper calendar with a thing of whiteout uh, for you kids. Uh, in white. Yeah, whiteout. <laughs> it's like it's like backspace, but yeah, yeah, it's backspace. But yeah, it's actually white paint. Yeah, that yeah. You just literally yeah. white paint. Never paint. pen. Yeah. Uh, whiteout, a pen, a paper calendar, and then a phone with a one a one line and a two line. And that's and she was like, listen to this box of demos, decide what you think all these bands who want to play here, and then you're just gonna start getting calls. Whenever you get a call from an agent, write down in pencil, but not in pen, which dates they want to play. They'll get back to you and let you know. Uh, write the phone number on there so you can get back in touch with them. They'll they'll let you know if the band can confirm. And and when you when they confirm, just write it in ink over the pencil. And if it, they cancel, write, write it out and write. <laughs> and that was the calendar. <laughs> and then if you had to send a, a, an offer, an offer letter, you literally just wrote on a piece of paper like, you know, three thousand dollars, modest mouse pl- plus eighty five percent back end after five hundred dollars club costs, eight dollars for adults, ten dollars for minors, no tax, no merch percentage, and mm-hmm. you faxed it. And then later you'd get a fax back that was like confirmed. <laughs> uh, Again, for those who don't know what fax is, yeah, 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 we're gonna do that a lot. I think fax is fax is like old school email. Yeah, fax still exists. Physical like, email. You it still exists in like medical worlds and like insurance worlds. Yeah. Every oh. once in a while, I have to do like some weird paperwork thing for like a medical insurance thing, something like much more official. And they'll be like, oh, you'll have to fax. I'm like, can I just email you a, a file? No, no, we only take fax. Like, you only take fax. That is crazy. Man. But it still <laughs> exists. And it's weird. It's like, it's such a government, like, behind yeah, the you know, just just slow moving yeah. thing that people still use it in some worlds. But so that's how you booked the show. And, uh, but emos, I mean, I remember going to emos in the early uh, 2000. Mm-hmm. And it was known for, I mean, one, the, the, the sound was dope at the time, but the, the caliber of artists actually came by Emos was great. I mean, but was that, did you guys set out to, okay, w- this is the kind of artist that we're trying to get, mm-hmm. or it kind of work its way that way? Uh, a little of both. Um, I came in probably like, God, 
I must have been like 99, 2000, like around then. Mm -hmm. And it had established itself. It, the original name was Emo's Alternative Lounging, which I think sounds like lounging a, at Emo's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not yeah, sure there's exactly. even a chair. Yeah, <laughs> it was a weird. I mean, what it sounds kind of sounds like a gay bar. It's alternative li lifestyle. <laughs> and then also, but alternative music, like in the late 80s, early 90s, sort of made right. sense. And it opened in like 96, 94, something like that. 90, no, it must have. I was in junior high, so it must have been like 91, 92. It was open, wow. a, it was open a long time ago. Um, it was free to get in when it first opened. And it was the only like alternative punk, like non-regular, like frat bar in yeah. Austin, yeah. you know. Uh, or there was a few like national music clubs that people like Liberty Lounge and some of those, but it was the the club of that size. It was one of the few that was open doing that kind of stuff, and it was free to get in no matter who played. There was no cover. Wow! Uh, they paid bands like fifteen percent of the bar. It was free, and it was packed every night. And I would I would look through like the old books because they'd write down like what the bar ring was every night, and it was crazy. Like <laughs> like on a Monday night, they would make more than we were making when I was there ten years later on a Saturday because. It was the only place to go, and everyone was packed there. It was free to get in, and bands that would, you know, we were charging ten bucks to see, and then, you know, in the two thousands, were playing for free ten years before, and right. everyone was coming to see him. So eventually, it just it stopped working because bands started needing more money, and mm -hmm. the, the club couldn't keep up with that. And then other promoters and other clubs started opening and saying, "Oh, well, we'll charge five or ten bucks and give you the money." So the bands are like, "Well, you'll give me a percentage of the bar, but..." There's 500 people are going to show up. That's five thousand dollars. I'd rather right. take that money mm -hmm. than the thousand from the bar. I, I, so over time, that model it worked when Austin had this weird gap, and then it changed over the years. I came in when we it sort of started to shift and change into a more of a legit like venue with tickets and and mm -hmm. became it was it was it, it was established as like the hip, a hip kind of raunchy edgy club. Mm -hmm. But I think when I got involved. We had a little bit more freedom from a booking standpoint because we could offer guarantees. And not the first couple of years I was there, but it worked its way in. Uh, and and also, it had sort of a, a, some groundwork laid for being like a cool club for progressive music. Yep. yep. But I definitely opened that up a lot. Like for me, it was like okay, a lot of these bands that were playing here aren't as relevant anymore. The music's changing. Indie rock is becoming big. Hip hop. There's a lot of cool underground hip hop mm -hmm. that wasn't connected <laughs> with what the old guys who worked there were doing because that just wasn't the music they were booking. Mm -hmm. um, all kinds of stuff. Like there was just all this like progressive music branching out from that under, underground scene that all sort of sounded similar in the 80s and even into the 90s had started to sound like a lot of different things as we all, you know, but, as music does. So I, at some point you became like the go-to because, I mean, you, you build a relationship with all yeah. these bands and all these artists, the booking agents and everything. Sure. And so when did you decide, okay, now I want to kind of do my own thing? And, you know, you met with uh, James mm -hmm. uh, Moody and then started Transmission. Right. Like, what was that transition like? Well, I was at Emos for a while. I must have been there almost a decade, um, like eight, eight or nine years. I want to say I was there for like a year doing security stuff and then like another eight or something doing a – just booking shows I and mean, managing. I managed mm -hmm. a lot. So when I left, that was like my college. You know, I didn't go to school. I, I just did that. And then that's where I learned about music and the music industry. And But I, I, I was ready to graduate. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, at some point, it was like, we didn't own it. You know, we didn't own the building. The guy who bought it from Emo was just this sleazy used car salesman who had like bought the club and was just having us 
make him enough money until he could sell the property, which he eventually did, and sold the club. So we kind of knew the writing was on the wall that this thing that we loved so much that we cared so much about wasn't going to be ours. So it was like if you you rent this apartment, if you painted it and you added a second floor and you added another room and you tiled the bathroom and you're like, man, I don't own this apartment. Why did I just do all that? I just spent 30 grand fixing up my apartment. Mm -hmm. Uh, We didn't own it. So we were like, I, I wanted to support something that we knew would be there or at least was tied to somebody that cared enough about the music scene that they wanted to see it keep going. He was just a business guy who invested in this club Mm -hmm. and it was just another investment for him that he was going to unload at some point. So in addition to that, I had started fun, fun, fun fest the year before I left. And because of that, I started to travel and go to, I'd gone to Coachella and Sasquatch and I started going to other festivals and other cities that had and meeting other promotion companies. And it was like, man, Austin, is so tribal like every venue is out for themselves right like like every venue just wants to help their venue to do better and they don't care about the other venues which still happens a little bit but Mm -hmm. uh, it's so disconnected like i was i felt like i was selling snake oil a little bit like i'd be trying to tell an agent like you gotta play emos it's trust me you have to play there if there was a band but that band might fit better at another room like that band might you have kind of a jazzy, intricate sound that would work a little better at the parish because their PA system's tuned much more finely. And, they, you know, I don't know, whatever it is, or a hip hop group that has like a built in audience at one club that doesn't go down to emos as much. And I'm always trying to convince an agent to put their band there because that club wants the money that that band will bring in. Mm-hmm. Yet that's probably not the best thing to do for the band. The band should go where the best show would be. Or if right. a band can sell way more <laughs> tickets, we're trying to convince them to play there. 500 kids aren't even going to get in because we're greedily trying to force them into this this room that we want them to play. And uh, I, at some point, I was just like, man, in other cities, there's Golden Voice and Bowie Presents and all these people that are putting on shows. And if it's a band that draws 3,000 people or 300 people, they're putting them in the right room. They're not putting them where they feel like will help, will benefit them the most and not everyone else. And if you can do both and you can say, hey, I can make money on shows and I can make these artists money and I can bring shows to everybody in town, why not do that? And that was the concept was let's just, I wanted to do more than what I was doing for one mm-hmm. particular person, one particular place. So anyway, long story short, I decided I wanted to do it. Um, I met Moody who owns Mohawk and we started talking about it and we had a couple of partners that eventually we stopped working with, but there we, we started a little group with, which was transmission in mm-hmm. 2007, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 2007. Cause yes, yeah, 2006 was, Fun, fun. Yeah, uh, which I did with. Originally, it was uh, with Tim, the owner of Alamo. It was me and Alamo. Drop House, Tim Lee. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So we originally did it me and Alamo the first year, um, but they had started Fantastic Fest around the same time. Oh yeah. Which really took off, and the next year they were focusing on that, and I wanted to keep doing the fest, and it was just kind of like you know what, we're going to keep working on Fantastic. If you want to do fun, fun without us, that's cool. And since I had just started Transmission, I had some staff and people that worked with me to help me. Because before it would have been me by myself. So we just sort of did it on our own after that. I want to backtrack a little bit and talk a little bit about Fun 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 Fest. Uh-huh. You've, touched, you've touched on sure. when it started. But how did it, what made you want to start a festival? That's a big step in yeah. itself. So can you talk to that, that evolution yeah, yeah. process? It was, I mean, I've said it before. It was like on accident. It was out of necessity. Same way, reason I did shows when I was a kid. Like, I, I don't think I, I, I mean, part of me wanted to do a fest and that festivals are often terrible. And it was like, man, I wish there was a cool festival. Or at least I wish Austin had something that me and my friends wanted to go to, mm-hmm. not my parents. You know, I, I wanted to go to our festival, like something that appealed to us. And, and ACL back then, now, you know, they're, 
they're trying to sell tickets to a younger crowd. But at the time, it was like Fish. It was a much, you know, older artist. Like it was a lot, mm-hmm. it matched a lot more with what Austin State Limits, the show, was doing back then. Now the show's doing a lot of younger stuff. But at the time, you know, they had a few indie bands, but it, mostly it was a much older audience. So like my parents would go and it was good for what it was, but it was like, why isn't there a fest here like Pitchfork in Chicago or like whatever, like a, you know, a smaller version of Coachella. Like right. there were all these other festivals that we didn't have kind of something that appealed to that audience. And that was such a popular thing in Austin. I mean, those club shows did well here and there was an audience for that kind of music. So anyway, I wanted to do it, but it wasn't something I was seeking to do. I, uh, Emos was booked all weekend when I got hit up by a couple of really cool shows that were coming through. Um, Mm -hmm. Circle Jerks, this old punk band, um, uh, Peaches, electronic Mm -hmm. singer. A couple different things hit me up and it was like, God, that's crazy that we're booked and all these big shows are happening. I checked with Lozona Rosa. They had Ziggy Marley that weekend. Mm. I hit up Amy Corbin from, from a uh, C3. It was back then. It was called Charles and tall presents. They handled stubs. It was like, do you guys want one of these? These shows will fill your space. And she was like, Oh, we closed at the time. It was December 1st. Oh, we're closed December through February. Back then they closed around the winter and they just closed up because weather, uh, and like, okay, well, I can't, this is crazy that I can't find <laughs> anywhere in Austin for all these bands to play. You just have to say no, skip, go somewhere else. We, we don't have room for you. Like, so I'd hit up Tim because uh, Alamo and Emos, we had done a, a couple of these DJ events at Waterloo Park earlier mm-hmm. that summer. There were free shows. Yeah. But it was a series that was, had a sponsor and free to get in. It was like a DJ and a VJ live. Hmm. So they had their big blow up Alamo screens, you know, the screens they yeah. have for those outdoor viewings. And we had like RJD2, I think DJ Spooky maybe, and uh, Cut Chemist each oh, nice. do a show. And then they had a, we had a live VJ thing. So while they were DJing, someone was mixing live video That's awesome. that matched yeah. all the DJ stuff. It was a really cool concept, free to get in. It was just like a fun thing we did yeah. at the park. So we had gotten used to using that <coughs> park, which was a totally unused park at the time. There'd never People never did events there. It was right there on Red River, but it was like mostly homeless folks live there. <laughs> All those dudes worked for us, by the way. Once we started, <laughs> yeah, right. trash, late night security. Oh yeah, uh, none of them had phones. We but we knew where they slept. <laughs> um, so yeah, we just went back there because it was hey, we know we've done a show there. We've done a couple of shows there. You wanted to do like a little festival. All these bands need a show, and then little by little, I started get hit hit up by more bands who happened to be routing through that same week. It was like. And then we added a bunch of big locals like Spoon and Octopus Project and Riverboat Gamblers and mm-hmm. um, Thomas from Ghostland DJing and mm-hmm. and Lucero and so the what started out as just a big show just became this little festival and it was the first year it was small it was like a few thousand people but you you, you put it together in in what a month or something something like that yeah <laughs> I mean it was, the first yeah. one was is in December it's December first and like a cold front blew and I remember it was super cold that day it was like forty degrees oh yeah man. That's a hustle. That's Put together a festival in a month. Yeah, I forgot how. Like on our ten year anniversary, like I look, I found my old email account and found all these old emails, and it looked so different in the beginning too. Uh, it was crazy. Yeah, we did it, and it was a real short amount of time when we announced. You know, it was sort of thrown together, but it worked. Everyone loved it. People wanted us to keep doing it. We really enjoyed it. We knew yeah. that there was a gap in Austin that Austin didn't have something like that. Uh-huh. It's got South by as like an industry fest, then ACL, which was a much more mainstream fest, and there wasn't anything like what what we were doing. So we just kept doing it from there, and and, and it just grew every I year. Mean, the, the thing that I really, I mean, my first fun fest, I'm trying to remember. The one I really did seriously was 2011, mm-hmm. and 
one and I, I look back, you know, you had the panels with like all the acts you've had before mm-hmm. and what you what you've done. One thing I really liked about it was every year you try to add something new to it. Uh-huh, Whether yeah, it's sure. the, the BMX ramp, I mean the tackle cannon, the comedy and the different stages and and is it you just walk around and be like, all right, well, it'd be cool if we had if we added this or yeah, if yeah. we added that. Is that is that how you add elements? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was sort of the anti festival in a weird way. It yeah. was sort of a, like you know a festival for people who feel like other festivals are lacking or feel like they're not getting what they want out of it. And we wanted it to be different and original and unique and funny. And like we we think like what is some ridiculous shit that no one would do? <laughs> like let's have a con- cannon that shoots tacos. Let's I mean, we had a lot of stupid ideas. Like, we were going to have a hot tub on the back of a trailer that uh, someone would win a contest and they could watch the whole show from the hot tub. We'd have a, <laughs> room, like a generator. We'd drive them around. Like, you want to go watch Wu-Tang Clan hop in? And people would just see this, like, king and queen. In the, in the, <laughs> but we were, we, it would get muddy. All the dust would get in the water. And then it was just not feasible. And the parks department probably didn't want us driving a hot tub around the, <laughs> the draft, but. Stuff like that. Like, we had a million ideas, and we had, most of them we were able to do wrestling. Just, yeah, you know, I remember that, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, someone got married on stage at a festival, you know, and Henry Rollins from Black Flag did the wedding. Like, that's, <laughs> that's never happened before, you know? We Is just it, wanted to be original and stand out and do unique things that no one else was doing that we thought would make it more unique. Than what every other festival is. Yeah, Fun 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 always had so much character to it, which is what I always enjoyed about it. You know, if you go to ACL, if you go to Coachella, if you go to all the others, it's almost the same thing, just right. different cities, slightly different crowd, but right. basically the same festival. Fun Fun is different. Not that. Yeah, right. same acts too. A lot of it. Yeah, yeah. a lot of the same acts. Yes. And that's I, th- I think there's sort of a bit of a monopolization going on with where like really big companies are buying up all the festival brands yeah. or buying companies that produce festivals, and it's more. You know, it's just like Walmart or something like you buy in bulk. So they'll go to a band and say, here's $8 million to perform at these 15 festivals. Mm-hmm. Or you can make $2 million and perform 100 dates on tour. Which do you want to do? Oh, right. fuck, I'll take the <laughs> eight festival, the te- 15 festivals for $8 million. And uh, But if you book them individually, they would want a million dollars a festival and it would cost $15 million. So these right. big festivals are, but they do that with all the bands, essentially, some version of it. Um, and you know, every festival is going to have crossover. Like there's going to be bands, there's bands on our festivals that play other festivals that happens no matter what. I mean, you know, good music tends to rise to the top. So people want, that's what people want to see. Um, but it does become a little cookie cutter when it's easier just to say, let's just get enough of what everyone wants. And I kind of think that's why there's sort of this bubble bursting situation happening in the festival market. Like last year and this year has been really bad for festivals. Like, Mm. Bonnaroo for the first year, uh, it, it sells out. It was like the biggest festival, eighty-five thousand, yeah. I think. It did forty-five thousand this year, Whoa. like half the Whoa. amount of people. They had oh. to shrink it. They moved all the fences in. Sasquatch last year always sells out in advance, thirty thousand, I think, or twenty-eight thousand. Uh, Seattle did fourteen thousand, half. Um, even ACL, I mean, they still had their Sunday tickets for both weekends up until, you know. I, they might have sold out like right at the weekend of. They sold out the first Sunday, but not, they never sold yeah, out the second yeah. Sunday. So it's like, yeah. it, just because before there was however many festivals. So if you were a fan in Texas of, you wanted to see these bands, mm-hmm. everyone in Texas would go to ACL. Yeah. Well, now there's like Free Press, Summerfest yeah. in Houston with half the same bands. And then Day and Night. Yeah, Malamuna. Yeah, so there's all these other things. And if you're 
even further away in Oklahoma and Mississippi and all these other places. There's Hangout down there, and then there's there's like so many, and then there's a mini version of every one of those in every city. <laughs> so it's like right. everyone wants to do a festival. Everyone's invested in it. It won't over time. A lot of them are going to go away because yeah. they'll lose so much money. It won't be worth it. Um, but it, it 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 the more the festivals start to look alike, the less they'll do overall and that's okay if you're saying okay well we only need x amount of people in each city to go to these festivals so we'll just spread it out and we'll get that many people out but if you're used to getting seventy-five thousand people at this massive festival and 40 percent of your ticket sales are from out of town like that's going to change when at those people from out of town have pretty much the same lineup in their city or somewhere closer Mm -hmm. but they don't have to it's not as expensive a drive or a flight to go all the way to austin or what or whatever city so it seems like what's happening now is just the oversaturation of it is, is kind of lowering the priority of, you know, people wanting to go to festivals because there's so many options. And uh, so it's even more important, in my opinion, to make sure if you're going to do a festival, it better be something cool that isn't a typical festival. And Fun 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 Fest was always that um, when we used to do that. But it was starting to kind of become whether it was what we were doing was starting to be similar to what other people were doing or what other people were doing was starting to copy us. Oh yeah. um, Which definitely happened. Um, But that's why when we decided to start our new festival, we were like, let's start fresh. Let's come up with a new idea. Still book original bands that aren't the the same lineup. Some of the stuff is obviously going to be similar. A lot of stuff isn't going to be, but then what else can we do? And, you know, so we wanted to find a setting that was original and stood out and and felt like something no one had done before. What are some of the major similarities and major differences that people can expect that yeah. used to go to fun, that went to Fun Fun and are right. going to go to Sound on Sound? Well, Sound on Sound, in its heart, is obviously very similar. I mean, I book it, I found it, <laughs> yeah. owned and booked Fun Fun for ten years. So, you know, it's going to be a good mix of indie rock, hip hop, punk, garage. DJs and not like we tend to steer away from the more like EDM dubstep kind of DJ stuff and mm-hmm. kind of go a little headier than that. Uh-huh. So it's going to match my taste. There's also going to be comedy, spoken word, okay. stuff like that. We expanded a little bit this year, adding some live podcasts. Yes. You guys know all about podcasts. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, as well as like some cool panels on the stage. There is going to be another wedding, actually. I think we're going to announce that this week. Uh, some stuff like that. But the major, the, so that's a similarity. Okay. Uh, so that vibe will definitely be there. Like the kind of music, the kind of people, the kind of quirky that we're going to have wrestling, BMX, skate, all that okay, stuff will cool, still be cool. there. Um, taco Cannon? Uh, well, I think we're retiring the Taco Cannon this what year. What happened? Someone <laughs> got hit by a taco? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will sue you. Injured. Well, the idea was <laughs> to uh, have a Viking funeral for it. Uh, <laughs> Why <concept>. not? <laughs> and then unveil some new thing. But it, it's uh, we only it's just like it's a run out of time. Days, so I don't think we have time for a taco pulp was talked about and designed. I don't a taco know. Pulp? taco pulp. Yeah. Oh, that's a great that idea for match that. Our theme. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's, that's to, to segue in. Uh, the idea for this was let's find a, a really original location that's awesome. So we found an old a Renaissance fair thirty miles mm-hmm. east of town, Sherwood, uh, Sherwood Forest. That's literally a Renaissance fair. It's in a forest, first of all. Like it's not a hot field. There's like our biggest stage will be outdoors, like in, in an open area, but all the other stages are in a forest, like surrounded by trees. I wow, that's up. It's, it's giant trees and, and leaves above you, uh, crazy lit up. It has a castle, it has a jousting arena, it has every the bars or mead halls with giant logs. Did you know about it? 
Uh, you ever been to the fair? We had always fair? we had never been to this one. We had always talked about doing this for years. Like, and the, there's one near Houston, one near uh, mm-hmm. Dallas. And we had talked to a few people in Dallas and Houston about maybe doing something at one of those because they're only open for like little little seasons, and then they're mm-hmm. closed for the rest of the year. And I know that people have rented them out for other events, like for weddings and just private events. And they're like, man, that would be so insanely hilarious to have, like, you know, <laughs> Slayer playing at a Renaissance festival <laughs> or Run the Jewels playing at a Renaissance festival, whoever it is. Like, how funny would that be? And awesome to have, like, our, a Game of Thrones meets uh, a Coachella, yeah. like, essentially. <laughs> and so we found this place. Like, someone had mentioned it to me. Yeah, no, there's that one in Austin. I'm like, no. Off there on 290, I'm like, dude, that's like way out by Houston. No, no, there's one on 290 near us. And uh, it's only been here like six or seven years, so it's kind of newer. That's like I went to the one in either Houston or Dallas when I was little. So I knew of those. I had no idea there was this one. And so we got in touch with them. They were really cool. They said they were down to try it because they're closed in the fall anyway, so it's their dark time. A few of the the people who are involved are going to be out there doing their thing. Because we wanted to have a little of our stuff and a little of their stuff. But a lot of them work at like the other Renaissance fairs in the gotcha. fall. There's like a whole community of these folks. So um, we're going to be able to use a lot of those buildings, though. Like when you go buy a T-shirt for a band, it's like in an old-timey, ye old T-shirt place. Like, <laughs> you know, like where they would sell like nice. armor or candles or, or maiden dresses. They're going to be selling, you know, like posters, silkscreen yeah. posters and <laughs> beer. And like it's crazy. Like... It's pretty incredible. Like, I can't even stress it. Like every time I walk through it, I'm like, "This is the best idea I've ever had." <laughs> um, but I mean, it's a challenge too because it's a new name. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not fun. That fun, fun, fun thing is recognizable. You know, ten yep. years of seeing that logo, so now it's a new name. So there's a lot of like reminding people, you know, that this is our new our new event, and then a new location. Like people are used to going downtown. Even when yep. we moved from Waterloo Park to Auditorium Shores, just a couple miles away, there was a lot of reconfiguring that. This is, you know, 30 miles east. And yeah. we have shuttles every day picking people up from Mohawk, dropping you off there. It's like five bucks to ride the shuttle. Uh, parking on site. You can pay to park if you just want to drive Oh, you can park there. while you camp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, camping. Uh, yeah. We've never had a camping option. So camping and camping, the parking's free, actually. If, with, with, if, with, if you go camping, you can just park by your, your camping spot. But if you don't want to camp, you can just go and pay to park in the parking lot. Um mm-hmm. So we have like a lot of options. It's really easy. It's super feasible. It's not even that far. Like it's like a forty-minute drive, um, but you know, for someone who's used to riding their bike down there, it feels it, it yeah. feels further than it is. You know, it, like it's it feels like a little more work. So it's been a lot of us kind of messaging that to like fans that this is so worth it, and uh, and yeah, people seem to be into it. Well, there are um, problems uh, dealing with the city as far as I mean. Auditorium Shores is like the go-to when it comes to festivals yeah. now. And was there any kind of some new restrictions maybe or just? Yeah, every year it was a challenge working with the city. I mean, it was, that was half of, half of doing a festival for us was fighting to get the dates. Like <laughs> we definitely didn't get the same love that the ACLs and some of the other events got. Uh, I, part of it was the music we booked. I mean, you know, no one will come out and say it, but. People would say it. Um, mm-hmm. Music, the people, you know, people, the neighborhood associations, which are pretty wealthy neighborhoods, you know. Yeah, Zilker, like Zilker, Bolden Creek, yeah. and uh, and Barton Hills. Even it yeah, goes yeah. up there. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, wealthy voters who bitch to their city council. Republicans, yeah, very, <laughs> very Republican, very white. Not not super stoked about our festival. Like, 
you know, I mean, I literally had people like we have to meet with them every year, and they would just like shout. I had us at like a round table just mm-hmm. saying the music is terrible. This one lady was like, "I can literally smell the people from your festival." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god! Like you know, and I get it. It's like yeah, there's bass, and you hear someone cursing, and it freaks you out. But what? You're, one, you're in Austin. Two, this is one night. Like, you know, it's one. It's three nights yeah. in a full year um, that you hear in the distance echoey music. Like, I don't like, you know, whatever rap metal or you know whatever some free concert that would have been there during South by or something. I'm not gonna go complain that it shouldn't happen. Like, there's lots of things I don't listen to or want to see, but it's part of the community. So it right. should happen because yeah. people want, want it in Austin, you know? So, you know, I, I, it shocks me that people are so indignant that they feel that, uh, 20,000 people are irrelevant to their happiness. Uh, the fact that and it, it has to be over before 10 o'clock. It's not even yeah. like these things yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. The morning. I mean, you really like, like shut it down. Yeah. It's not even yeah. Like it's like, you guys come on. And like, well, you know, we're doing the sound meters. Like we're, you know, some loud bassy hip hop or metal or a loud electronic band is playing and we stand a hundred feet from the entrance with the meters and we're under the legal limit. Like an ambulance is 10 times louder than our meter. So it's like, it's not that loud, but it's easy to complain about if it's outside your wheelhouse and it's not comfortable and it's not, uh, it's not a song you can sing along with in the background either. It's like, what is this noise Mm -hmm. and traffic? And you know, I get it. The people in those neighborhoods, yeah, they're whiny and they're, they're wealthy, but they're also, inundated with it like they've got zilker park with two weekends of acl now and then they've got the uh blues blues on the green blues on the they've green, got the, right. yeah. uh the trail lights yeah. like it's crazy trail lights i don't know if you even try and go you don't have kids so you have no reason yeah. to but yeah right uh, uh we, we went a couple we go <laughs> <laughs> y'all are grown children we do a yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, i took my kid once and i'm like oh man i'm gonna lie and tell her there is no trail lights because <laughs> they got canceled because uh it, it was so much work but um, you know, if you live in that area, it's like there's so much downtown. But it's also like, man, the city was founded on that. Like it, exactly. it's called Auditorium Shores for a reason. Because when I was a kid, every week was a show there. Like that's oh. where you went and saw me. Like they had a summer festival called uh, Aquafest, and Aquafest was a weekly summer festival. Went all summer long. You could go see. You you got this little pen. You paid like twenty bucks for this pen, and you could get into all the shows free, or you could pay at the door. And you name it, all of it would play. Like, and they'd have festivals down there all the time. Oh, Reggae Car- Fest. Yeah, Reggae, reggae Fest. Was, Fest. Uh, it still goes on there, yeah. obviously. But uh, the, the carnival with it, like that's where you would go. The carnival with all the rides and Ferris wheel. That was that would take place at Torm Shores. It was the place mm-hmm. for events. That, and now that those neighborhoods, South Austin was not a nice neighborhood. It was considered like the trashy neighborhood in Austin, which is crazy to think of. But back in the day, in the eighties, mm-hmm. South Austin was considered white trash. And North Austin was considered uh, like a yuppie area, which was the yuppie was rich people. Yeah. So that w- was just so weird because you think of Zilker and Barton Hills, really nice neighborhoods. But there was this annual tug of war that the, the Chronicle would have a, a big art thing uh, that was uh, it was the Bubba's versus the yuppies. And all the South Austin <laughs> Bubba's are like a beer drinking redneck. So the cover of the Chronicle would be like a cartoon drawing of a, a guy with a Lone Star beer in his hand and a redneck hat and a uh pulling a, a rope and then the, the other side of the tug of war would be like a yuppie with a big giant cell phone <laughs> and uh a, a martini pulling his rope and literally uh, uh like 
100 people in South Austin, 100 people in North Austin would pull this giant rope across Town Lake and they'd have a tug of war and whoever would lose, everyone would fall into the water and they'd have three, best of <laughs> three. Cool. This is and great. This should still be a thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when we used to do, there was a fun promotional thing we would do for Fun Fun uh, over at uh, Fiesta Gardens on the east side. It was called... Uh, it was just our Aqua Olympics. Like we would just oh, have these games. Oh, yes, we yes, like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, skate That was you guys? Yeah, yeah. Was, huh. It was just, yeah, Fun 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 Presents. It was like a promotional yes, thing for yes. Fun Fun. And you could ride like BMX skate ramps into the water. But we did a mini version of it in like this offshoot where we got a big rope and had a... I saw that. There, yeah. there was a race with the, with the egg. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We did that field. We did track and field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we'd have some DJs and stuff, but... We, that was just a version of that, but um, anyway, it's just funny to think that South Austin is considered like where, where that's where all the poor people live in Austin. Uh, like, <laughs> so, like you imagine someone in poor, poor, poor Barton Springs. But so anyway, so that that was difficult, and every year we'd have to go back to city council and we get our dates, and it was it was a big, no pun intended, a tug of war with the city to get those dates, and uh, you know you'd get a new mayor, you get a new city council, mm-hmm. and yeah. then they wouldn't know who you were because. Like a couple of years ago, it was nine new city council members mm. who had never been in government before, who had no idea how to do their job. So I'm not a musician, yeah. so I don't really oh, know. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you'd have to plead your case, and it was like, man, at some point, why are we fighting? Like this is so unfair, and this is so crazy. Like where we find another place where they want you to do it, and everyone's really cooperative. And you know, Austin, it's a challenge when it's a city that grows this fast because yeah. like. There's the cultural stuff that's making the city cool, and that's why people move here and want their businesses here because it'll attract uh, you know, good employees because they want to live in a cool city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the flip side, these same people pay rent and pay taxes, and they like certain things and don't like other things. And it's this this weird balance that the city's got to figure out. And we were always like in the middle of it because we weren't rich or powerful enough to sway someone. But we always managed to just ink by with like the love of our fans and the love of <laughs> someone at the city who would fight for us. And it's like, you know, it, that that well started to run dry for sure. So, so, yeah, so it's easier now because I assume you don't have to, so have to deal with Austin. Yeah, yeah you got to go, go, go do something yeah. else. It's, yeah, Somewhere I mean, else. it's definitely easier doing it. But, uh, you know, now the challenge is, of course, getting people getting to go man. to a right, non-downtown right. festival, which in other cities isn't complicated. I mean... Coachella's hours from LA. Bonnaroo is in the middle of nowhere. Um, Sasquatch is two hours from Seattle. Like, it's just Austin happens to be one of those rare cities where most of the festivals actually take place in the city center. We're spoiled. Yeah, yeah we're spoiled. <laughs> we don't even know. I mean, yeah. all, all, all outside is about an hour out. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of them are. Um, and I think those are, those are cooler because you really get. It's like you're on a mini vacation. Kind yeah, of, yeah. Because yeah. when you're like, okay, I want to go to Asia. I want to go to uh, Sabai. Like. Oh well, I have to deal. I have to deal with the traffic, right, right, and right. you're still in Austin, and you're, yeah. Yeah. you're, you know, dealing with yeah, with traffic, with parking, and right, everything. Right. When you're like, oh, I'm going on a little vacation, I'm gonna go camp, and yep. you know, and do sound on sound or do art outside. And like, okay, yeah. well, I'm really there's a few. I mean, off. there's you know, there's, uh, what's that other one? I'm just basing on the name. It just happened. Not Euphoria. Utopia. Utopia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's you know, there's a lot. It's it's a destination fest now. It's a it's it's not a it's not far away, but it's definitely kind of a go out to the country and have a good time kind of thing. So I, I want to go back a little bit about um, like how you started Margin Walker. And uh, was that, that there was something going on with Live Nation? Uh, but I, uh-huh. I'll just tell sure, the story sure. because I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, no, ask whatever. Yeah. So how did that, how did that transition happen? Um, it wasn't so much Live Nation. And, uh, Stratus. But Stratus, yeah. yeah. Stratus is a real estate company. 
um, that just builds buildings. They're not in the music business at all. Uh, they One of the buildings they built and still own is the W Hotel, which has ACL Live inside of it, so that's their venue. Like, they own the hotel and own the venue. Right. Um, we have been doing a lot of shows at ACL Live, uh, and Moody, my old partner, was doing marketing for ACL Live, like handling their branding and marketing stuff, because mm-hmm. he has a marketing company as well as Mohawk. Um, and so he knew the owner, and the owner wanted to do more kind of cultural stuff to kind of drive traffic to his venue. We were looking for a new... We had left parted ways with our old partner. We're looking for a new partner, like more of an investor partner. We'll do the creative stuff. This person kind of is more of a financial partner. And uh, they were interested in being involved because we were doing a lot of stuff that they liked that was making the money at their venue, I think. And they wanted to see more of that. So we just partnered. Uh, and then after a couple of years, it just, I mean, pretty quickly, it was definitely not working out super well. But over the uh, over the next few years, it, it, it just didn't make sense. And I think... You know, they were like a publicly traded company, which means they're audited every three months by the IRS. So right. the way their paperwork is, is very tight. <laughs> so if we have a show at Beerland and a band needs a rider and someone got bananas and the receipt is for 275 but the invoice says 276 where's that other penny? Mm-hmm. We're going to have oh, to wow. redo all the books to find that penny. Wow. Times... A thousand shows a year, uh-huh. um, times every line of code, <laughs> and it was just like an accounting nightmare for them and for us. So for it's just it's just how they do paperwork, and it seems crazy. But like if if you're the IRS and you know that there's those companies that have a penny or ten cents that like gets put in the Cayman Islands every transaction, that's mm-hmm. how like some some scam. So like office for space. us, it's like what? <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. just like that movie Office. But so for the IRS, they're really anal about that. For us. For every promoter in the country, you know, you spend money on stuff and, you know, I mean, like literally it's just two different ways of of operating. Um, One's not right or wrong, uh, but on higher level stuff, when you're building multi, 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 hundred, five hundred million dollar sky rises and you're using the the public's money from Wall Street or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's very, they're very accountable to every single penny. If you're putting on shows that, uh, and I often have to track your money and you pay taxes on it. But if a ba- someone overpays by $5 and forgets to get their change, the $5 left at the door just gets handed to the band, right? Hey, here's an extra five bucks. Right. Not wait. What ha- how, where'd that five come from? I think someone that like eight or nine walked in and they left the 20 and they forget to get their change. We're going to have to track that person down and get some paperwork filled out. Like that's the, <laughs> oh. so anyway, oh, yeah, it wasn't like a, again, it wasn't a right or wrong thing. It was just, when you're at a high level of business, yeah, the yeah. amount of accounting was tied together because anything that they're a partner in is now part of the publicly traded company. So accounting wise, they were like, oh my God, you guys, this is so much paperwork. And we were saying the same like thing, like you guys, this is too much paperwork for us. So it that became kind of a, a just a hard workflow thing because it was adding more work to our plates, adding more work to their plates, their accounting department. And in addition, they were less and less interested in doing live music at all. Like they didn't want music. They didn't want to, they realized that it was just too risky. There's guarantees. What if it doesn't work? Festivals can go up and down. What if it gets rained out? Look at levitation last year that got canceled. A lot of them, you know, levitation, uh, 
the uh, the beer one, craft beer one. Right here, Reggae Fest got canceled. Yeah, Reggae year. Fest got canceled really? one day. It's, it's South by got canceled one day. One of their outdoor shows. Mm-hmm. All outside got canceled yeah. this year. All outside got canceled. Um, there was another one that Untapped. It's like a craft beer with yeah, music yes, festival yes, yeah. that got canceled. So last year was obviously a very and beginning of this year was very rainy, but. Anyway, the point is they were like, this stuff's risky. We understand developing hotels and selling them to other corporations. <laughs> we don't understand music. Let's not do music anymore. We said, sorry, that's our life. Like, we aren't going to stop doing music. So it was like, why don't we part ways and we'll keep doing music and you guys can do whatever it is you want to do. And You, you can totally it. picture, like, the, the corporate guy with the suit corporate on suit. and then you see them, like, just cool kids who love music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was every meeting. <laughs> yeah, with was, beards and plaid shirts, like, dude, yeah. we just want to play some music, yeah. man. It was definitely two different worlds colliding, and like I said, I mean, it seemed to make sense in the beginning because we were doing music and they had a venue and we wanted to work together. Yeah. It just didn't make sense when you when we started doing it because it was two completely different processes, and you know, it wasn't like when a big music company or big arts company wants to get involved with a smaller company, but then they're doing something similar just on two different levels. It was like a company who literally, you know, builds amazing giant yeah. projects for that, that sell condos to people and, and we're doing something different. So it was oil and water. Did you, did you ask Fugazi to, uh, when you took the name, the name of the song? Uh, it's funny. I didn't. Um, <laughs> I, I thought about it. Uh, yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing. To ask. I, I, it's, uh, I asked, um, when we talked about the name of the festival, we reached out to Tim Kerr from the Big Boys. Fun 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 was named after a Big Boys song. It's an old mm-hmm. punk band in Austin that was legendary. And then Sound on Sound was written and sang by Tim, also a Big Boys song. We asked about that, and he was cool with it. Uh, I would have definitely asked Fugazi, except um, we already had like two or three names picked out. <laughs> we had gotten domains, started working on it, when someone would be like, you know what, I didn't say anything last week, but I hate that name. Oh, are you kidding me? We <laughs> What's up with the names? Uh, one was Good Times Incorporated, which I still mm. like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was our tagline. It always, like all our cards said, Transmission Events, Good Times Incorporated. Uh, Rosa, one of our talent buyers, was like, that sounds like a call growing. I don't want Rosa at Good Times as my email address. <laughs> <laughs> and then she proved me wrong. I was like, "What? Well, you didn't care before." And then she found an actual call girl site somewhere called Good Times Call Girls, and like sitting there, like, <laughs> wow. like, "See, there's already a Good Times." And uh, and I don't want there to be confusion. People, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we we're like, "Okay, fine." Then one was a small team of experts. Um, anyway, there was a bunch, uh, but we had gone down. This is like the one that no one disagreed on. Like, oh, that. Either, either people liked it or were ambivalent about it. Yeah, yeah. And I just was like, I don't want a name that anyone is bummed about. So that was, and at that point, it was like, we had to announce in like a few days. Like, we don't right. have time. And I was like, I could e- email Ian McKay right now. Or Funny. what if he <laughs> says, you know, I feel, but rather you didn't. And then we're like, guys, we got to push back the press release the next week and think of a new name. So I was like, I'm going to just shoot first and ask questions later. Uh, plus, I don't think they would care. I, I've actually talked to him since. And he was like, no, that's awesome. Margin <laughs> Forgiveness over yeah. permission. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he seemed cool about it. And uh, he said he liked the name. Brittany Candy, the drummer. I've checked him recently. He said he liked the name. So they seemed cool about it. You know. Oh, good. Uh, it wasn't like we named it Fugazi either. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. It was like a song they wrote. And then you um, read the lyrics and yeah. it goes, I'm going to set myself on fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. why not? Margin Walker. Yeah, sure. Nobody yeah. knows what that is, but it exactly. sounds cool. It just it's an interesting sounding name. Well, I thought you had some uh, questions. Go back to Sound on Sound Fest before we wrap up. Uh, yeah, just um, with Sound on Sound Fest, I read 
someone put in some questions. Are there going to be different, like you had for Fun Fun Fest, Fest we had the different genres of stages, mm-hmm. right, with the different stage names. Yeah. Are you going to do that kind of same thing, but with a different, the, the theme being more renaissance like a dragon stage or a... We were originally, but we're, we're mixing it up. There's definitely shows that, or stages that are kind of clustered together a little bit more. Just, it works well for, like, you know, if there's a DJ, a hip-hop act, and another DJ, mm-hmm. we should have them back to back because the DJ gear can be there. We don't have to move it to another stage right. or, like, break down DJ gear and move out drums. And then same thing with, like, if you're a punk band who plays with Marshall Half Stacks and a certain kind of drum kit, we might want those bands back to back. But uh, it is a lot more mixed up this year. One, the location is so cool. We want people to leave one stage and then go see the castle, you gotcha. know, and then we want people to go over and see that crazy jousting. We're, we're going to have like these mini moto, like those tiny motorcycles. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, jousting on those little what? motorcycles. <laughs> uh, we don't want people to be yes. like, oh, I never even saw that because I only watch bands yeah. on this stage. So um, okay. that's part a big part of it. And two, you know, we're like new name, new concept, even though it's a pretty even balance of music, we want it to feel a little bit more integrated with how everything works together. And, uh, Already with the festival before, like, you know, if we had a band that had a really big production setup, they would play on the main stage, which which had started out as more like the indie rock stage, just because that happened to be what was the most popular mm-hmm. back in the day, you know, a decade mm-hmm. ago. Now it's like Nas is going to play that stage, you know, or Run DMC reunion or Slayer or whoever it is that played on a different stage. The black stage was like the metal stage right. or metal and punk. Yeah. Uh, and then the blue stage was like hip hop, DJs, electronic. And it started crossing over. And then genres sort of started crossing yeah. over. Like, there'd be, like, wh- where do you put Manny 3? Where do you put, like, Purity Ring? Like, there are bands that are a little of everything. Like, so it, it got less and less about who plays on what stage and more about who plays on the right stage for their production setup, for the amount of people who want to watch them. And then that combined with the setting this year that's really, you know, like a fun kind of place to walk around and see. We just said, let's just make it an experience where it might be fun to watch Descendants back-to-back with, you know, an electronic act because that would be what's wild and interesting. And plus, people might watch something they wouldn't normally watch because they wanted a good spot mm. to see the next right, right, right. and kind of be exposed to something else, which is the whole reason I've always done this festival is, you know, I really believe that these bands and fans have a lot more in common than maybe people from the outside believe. And the bands definitely feel that way. Like they're always watching each other and they're yeah. playing on each other's records and they share labels and agents. And uh, and a lot of the fans think that way too, especially in Austin. Um, but there's still a lot of people who are kind of used to one thing or another, which is fine. But this festival gives you the opportunity to see a few different things that are all within sort of the same umbrella that is edgy, progressive, you know, I don't want to say underground music because it's not super underground, but I guess underground music. I mean, there's, a, there's definitely a lot to, to discover uh, one thing I noticed with the schedule is that it's not as staggered. Like shows was all shows will start at at a certain time. Right, right, right. And then they get the next block. Then they get the next right, block. Right. Is it pretty accessible? Like I remember at when it was um, at Auditorium Shores, you can hop from the black stage to the blue stage to orange stage pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty sparse. Sure, sure. Is it the same kind of setup over yeah, there? Yeah, it's about the same size. So okay. I don't think it'll be too bad. I mean that that was always an issue with Fun Fun too. It's like, you know. It's not like the stages go back and forth like forty-five minutes of no music. It, they're yeah. all the all the music tra- all the stages are happening at the same time with the breaks in between, but the breaks are never more than twenty minutes or so, unless you have like a big production changeover and you need forty-five minutes to set up lights or, or LED screens, which we have a couple of those. But but it was so genre specific before 
that it was like, well, if you're really into grindcore <laughs> and you're really into like electronic music, you probably aren't the same person, so you'll probably be okay. Now that it's mixed up, we still try to make sure, like I would say, like, okay, well, I don't want Death Grips playing at the same time as whoever. Like I, I would try and make sure that we didn't have the same genre of music ever at any one point. Okay. So we were pretty good about that. It hasn't been perfect. Like one complaint was OCs and Fiddler at the same time. That was just one that I mix. I, I totally just didn't see it when I was making the schedule. And I immediately hit up both about would, would they be willing to play and switch with the band before. And like, but at that point, you've got egos involved in me. Like, I'm not going early. <laughs> like, you're going to split your crowd. There's going to be, you could have 2,000 people watch you, or each of y'all can have 1,000, but it's, <laughs> you're both kind of garagey punk bands. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that, yeah, so that was one, but there aren't too many. But there are in that a lot of people who go to this festival are music heads who are into a lot of stuff yeah. who are like, yeah, definitely. man, I like this band and this band. And, in that respect, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. If anything, it's like, hey, it's a great festival. Like, yeah, uh, just the walk good, around, man. Yeah, <laughs> good news is you can watch. Yeah, 20, 30 minutes of one and 20, yep. 30 yep. minutes of another. It's not going to be more than a five minute walk to to get to another stage. Um, so it's not it's not like a like a like a ACL or or something like that where it's 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 a bigger bigger stretch. It's it's still pretty tight for the camping part of it. How far is that? And is there anything unique for people that are camping other than just camping that's going to be there for for sure. Yeah, man, we went all out with camping. I mean, we want it to be an experience. We want people to camp. We want people who are camping, who are committing to partying with us all weekend, like to have fun. So, uh, it's its own area um, behind the festival, but it's like direct access to the festival. So it's not like it's it's way far away. Like I've been to festivals where it's like a half a mile walk. This is, I mean, it's there's a wall between the festival and the campground, so it's right there. Because, but the fe- the campgrounds are pretty big. Like, there's roads that go through them. It, it's almost as big as the festival itself. Just the mm-hmm. campgrounds. So we're gonna have like pedicabs that actually get, you oh, can yeah. hop on, like in your tent site, you know, tent area, and, and get a ride down to festival grounds just to save you, save you some walking. Um, there's 24 hour general store there. There's gonna be on 24 hour diner there with food uh, all night. Um, cool. There's gonna be like a bar uh, thing you can you can get drinks at, bathroom showers, all that of course. But there's also going to be like late night after show stuff. Oh. Um, so there's going to be like a DJ area that like some of the DJs from the festival are going to DJ as well as locals. So there's like the range, um, Jaguar Maz DJing and Bayo Vampire Weekend mm-hmm. is DJ thing mm-hmm. is DJing each of them one night. And then locals like um, Learning Secrets, uh, Pleasure Escape, the girls who throw those pleasure escape parties and uh, um, Applied Pressure are all doing DJ sets too, like locals. A couple of bands are doing some secret, like after show sets, like Heinz is going to play and a couple others. But that's all at the camp. Yeah, yeah. So is that, only, is that only for people that are camping? Yeah, yeah only for camping. So oh, it's like nice. that starts like right when things are wrapping up at the festival and in the camping ground, there are the, a couple more hours of that. And then we, uh, in addition to that DJ par- kind of dance party area, there's also a quieter hangout area that's a, co- a camping comedy club. So it's going to have <laughs> some of the comedians and some of the big ones like Tim Heidecker, Todd Berry, Todd Berry like, yeah. are doing it. And then like all a bunch of local comics are doing it. And then after they're done with like an hour, hour and a half of like stand up in like a comedy in a forest. It's just like literally forest <laughs> uh, oh. comedy club in a forest. There's going to be a, like a renaissance movie each night from like two to four. Like you can set up your chairs and watch a movie. Uh, two to four a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like the late night. Cool. If you're just like hanging yeah. out afterwards. 
and it were uh, one is like Robin Hood men with tights. Of course, oh, that's the first thing I thought you of. You gotta yeah. watch it in Sherwood yeah, Forest. Exactly, exactly. We have that one. And nope. season one through six of Game of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be alone. Long night. Uh, we have uh, Search for Holy Grail, Monty Python. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'll watch that. Yes, yeah. yes, and yes. then oh, what was the other one? I, I thought it was gonna be Princess Bride. Oh no, it was Ar- Army of Darkness. Oh, that's a good uh, one too. So, you know, Evil Dead Three. Um, so yeah, it's fun stuff like that. And then there's also a whole section of the camping area that's like further out, that's quieter. Because we were like, there's gonna be some people that have families who want to camp and don't want DJs blasting while they're trying to sleep. There's gonna be some people like me who would want to conk out and like, oh man, the last thing I want after being a festival all day is, you know, more it's more festival. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's it's cool, man. It's got a little something for everyone. And are I'm you are you staying there? Uh, we are gonna stay on site. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, Nice, man. This cool. is. This I don't is know nice. if I'm going to stay every night. I mean, my house is literally a 30 minute drive from door to door. So it, something I might. You could go. Home. Yeah, 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 I could. But, you know, especially the first couple of nights where things are kind of getting rolling, I, I'm like, I don't want to be there and make yeah. sure everything's. Brand new festival, there. brand new venue, so I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's going to be kinks to work out, I bet. Yeah. And it's a benefit, too, for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah we're saving, raising money for him. We always have a few charities involved, and there are others that we're, we're going to be tabling and set up there, but we're going to try to raise some money for. But. We're definitely putting a lot towards him this year. Kind of our main main charity. Any uh, any go to bands like you people have to see they want to recommend to the audience? I mean, I gotta look on my phone real quick. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's like the number. You of, booked them all. You should know them. <laughs> <about. laughs> it's also like the most asked question. I should memorize it by now. It's tough because like I book it. I book so many bands I like that it, I just name like the whole festival and it seems <laughs> disingenuous. But I genuinely like like ninety percent of the acts. I like. Are great, like I think. Okay, well then, who don't you like? Yeah, okay, who did you watch? Nobody that stayed at the Dragon Slayer. <laughs> who should you not watch? Yeah, if I were you, I'd voice this day. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, psh, I, I'm just gonna name the whole festival. You, I mean, no, I, no, no. I, I mean, okay, yeah. like some like you know I the one that the you jewel, yeah, run the jewels. I could watch yeah. a thousand yeah. times. They're never not great. Um, you know, because of the setting, bands like Exposed in the Sky, Beach House, Purity Ring, and like Under the Stars at Night in the Country, it's like be so cool, with like crazy light shows. Uh, you know that stuff. I I love old punk, so Descendants, Youth of Today, Flag, like old hardcore stuff. I'm a big fan of. Um, there's a lot of new bands like Car Seat Headrest and uh, Jaguar Ma and stuff like that that I really want to see. Um, do you know if Death, I, Grips, I've been, Death Grips is always amazing live? Uh, Phanogram and Big Boy, I believe, are on there. Yeah, are yeah, they yeah. are they doing any set together? You the know, Big I don't think so. Well, I'm, I'm hoping. I, I've been emailing the agent for Big Boy, asking if he's because he's the next day, asking if he's going to fly in the night before. I said we'll we'll pay for extra hotels, whatever he needs. But he's he's done songs with one of the jewels. Those dudes, or at least Killer Mike's on a bunch of Outcast records. Obviously, right. he was part of yeah. Outcast basically in the beginning. You know, so if he comes in the day before, you know he's going to do stuff with his yeah. friends. But I don't. I haven't gotten confirmation no if official. he's coming no. down, so I can't say anything because I don't know. Okay, I, I, fair I, enough. I, w- I I hope so, but you never know. Some people are they've done it so much that it's not as exciting to them as it is to us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right, like, right. yeah. Wait, I just did a big Grams tour. What you want me to come out a day early just to do one song? Like, so he might not care. I don't know. Well, is the, is there a band that you really wanted uh, to book for this for um, Sound on Sound that you couldn't get? Man, I feel like it's the same kind of bands every year, you know, that I go at. Like, I've always wanted Yeah, Yeah, has to play Fun Fun or, and, or, or, or this. I've always wanted, uh, I mean, Rest in Peace. I always want a Tribe Called Quest to play. Uh, yeah. I've tried them many times. Um, you know, there, there's there's stuff that 
I go, there's dream bands like a Fugazi or a Jawbreaker or like an old band like that that are kind of like requested by us all the time that mm-hmm. have never come together and probably may probably never will and that's okay. Um, there are definitely acts that we have tried for and it hasn't worked out just timing wise, but top of my head I can't think specifically who, but it's kind of such a big list because like you you kind of send out a lot of offers. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I will say as our as we've gotten bigger and our, the name of our festival and what we do has gotten bigger it's a lot easier. Like back in the day, I would just send out such a big net, you know, to try and see who I could get. And then a third of the bands would say yes. And then you'd start, you'd send out more offers. And then Mm -hmm. those bands would Mm -hmm. say, some would say no, some would say yes. Now it's like, I send out a bunch of offers and almost the majority of the bands confirmed. And then it's like, oh shit, now I only need to plug these holes, which is a good problem to have. But it's weird because, you know, shit happens so fast now. It's like some band gets really big really quickly or, or puts out a record that's amazing. You're like, oh, man, I really want them, but I'm already booked already up. Booked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, like, it, South by Southwest being in Austin is great because you get to watch so many bands, and I'm still, like, putting together the festival around that time. But this year, I was, like, mostly booked by the time South by came. Luckily, I had enough that I was – I saw a car seat headrest there. I saw, you know, uh, a few different artists that ended up on the festival after South by that were just big standouts that I really wanted to have. I never thought about South, but that's a good use of it for figuring out for the sure. bands you want to book yeah. for that festival season coming up. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I'm one of the unique festivals that we're at the end of the year. Most people are already booking or booked up. Like Coachella's a month after that. Right. And, you know, yeah. all the summer fests, a lot of them are, some of them are still booking, but a lot of them are like about to announce their festivals. Yeah. So since we're a little later, it's like we kind of get that benefit of somebody that pl- plays at South by who's like super buzzy. By the time they get to our festival, they're a lot bigger. Like a car seat, for example, who's super popular right now, but at the time was just a buzzy kind of new mm-hmm. actor. He, he didn't play Fun Fun, but obviously on ACL, uh, what's his name? Anderson Pack. Anderson Pack. Yeah. 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 Oh, South yeah. by everyone's freaking out, and then by yeah. the time he gets there, he you know he's had time to kind of build up that arc, yeah. and then everyone's watching him at a festival. If he, yeah. had he played that the year before, mm-hmm. there wouldn't have been many people watching because no one yeah. would have known. He'd have been right, small right, font. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Real small Smaller font. font. Small font. Uh, I man. bet his font was still pretty small. <laughs> uh, you, th- th- that level of festival, like even the buzzy acts, still kind of end up there. But that's tough when you're making a festival poster too, like. You know, like Thundercat should be higher up, but it just doesn't work out that way because like there's just not enough room on the yeah. the page. Like, and when you have that many good bands, it's kind of like you can't fit everyone, or, or else it'll be so muddy that no one can read it. Well, cool, cool. So we want to wrap things up. We've been talking for over an hour now. Yeah, <laughs> already, yeah. I'm not gonna yeah. ask more questions, but yeah. well, we, we need to wrap go it up. on and on. And on. <laughs> <laughs> we could just stop and do a post show and put it up yeah, later. I could go on and on. <laughs> Well, I, I want to thank you because, one, uh, the fact that you're in a great podcast in the festival, I think it's huge, especially in a city like Austin where there's not that many, yeah. really, you know, compared to other cities. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, thank you for putting podcasts oh, on the map yeah. as thank a podcast you. fan you. yourself, too. Yeah, we'll see. It's the first time I've ever done it, It's and I don't know how the bleed will be between music and, and doing it. I mean, hopefully, like, mm-hmm. mics are so directional, as you guys know. I mean, every yeah, time yeah. I turn my head, I'm sure my voice cuts out. So I'm hoping it's not too bad and, and, and it'll work. It's definitely an experiment. Well, a friend of ours does our little sound on sound podcast with us and we're gonna we're, we'll put ourselves first to kind of take any bullets for mm-hmm. the next podcast. But like there's a couple of national ones like Turned Out of Punk is a very popular one. Uh, they're doing a live one. Um, Needle Drop, which is I don't know if you ever look on YouTube that 
He's like the music review guy on YouTube. Hmm. Uh, glasses name Anthony Fontano, the world's biggest music nerd, and he reviews every record that comes out. And uh, his views are insane on YouTube. But he started a podcast because of the popularity mm-hmm. of his YouTube show. But he's going to do a live podcast. So I, I, I really feel bad for if someone flew in and it was like, all you could hear were the drums of another band. <laughs> so like, I'm hoping, hoping it goes well. But we have someone setting it all up for us. So I'm fairly confident. And actually, Deborah, who you've had on the show yeah, yeah, uh, from yeah. the Statesman, like the podcast they do is going to do. Uh, the Statesman Shots is happening, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That's so right. that should be fun, too. Cool. Sweet, sweet, sweet. So uh, the website is sanonsoundfest.com. You can still get tickets. Yep. Uh, November 4th through the 6th. Yeah, 4, correct? 5, 6. Yeah. This coming weekend. Oh, yeah, next weekend, man. Awesome. Get your tickets, folks. Get your tickets. Don't wait. I know people tend to wait. Yeah, <laughs> don't wait. Yeah, get yours, get well, yours. I will be there. Yeah, me too. I just got my camping gear yesterday. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah, I'm off for camping. I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to wrap things up. Thank you so much. Byron, thank you. Thank you. Graham, always a pleasure. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for man. having I really me. appreciate it, Miko. Yeah. So if you want to support the Feedback Podcast, you can go to feedback.com slash donate. Uh, it really helps us with all this gear we have. We have a full-on production. I, actually, I'm glad that Graham gave us props on the, oh, uh, yeah, on the production sure. we, got, yeah. we got here. So the camera, all that I've, stuff. Hey, I've been in like radio stations, radio stations that aren't set up this good. So this is pretty Man. nice. Pretty nice. Yeah. Show. Thank you. Thank Cosine. you. Cosine. Yes. Hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm going to take that quote and isolate it. <laughs> Just play that being on every show. We're better than radio stations, folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I believe I believe you said news stations before the show as well. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So I'll, thank you, thank you. Really appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, follow the feedback on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, if you go to iTunes, you can review and rate us. It really helps us with the ranking. We're now on Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts, you can just look up the feedback BAK, and you can listen to all of our shows. And that's it. That's it. That's Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next time. Actually, there won't be a show next week since we'll be there. (laughs) 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 Actually, I I got a couple of uh, announcements. When we come back, I think the following Sunday, I have uh, Kate Presley from Keeping the Boom Boom. Mm -hmm. And the following week, one of your favorites, Jackie Vincent will be here. Uh I feel so bad. I haven't seen her live. <laughs> I'm sorry, like two days ago. I know. Always something happening, but yes, I'll be looking forward yeah, to def- that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll, I'll put the calendar up, so definitely some shows to look forward to. So in the meantime, sign on SoundFest next weekend. Go get your tickets, soundsoundfest.com, all that good stuff. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Right. Ciao, ciao. Later, America. Bye.